Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. All sorts of stuff coming at you today. We're going to be talking to you about what's in this omnibus bill. I've been telling you I'm going to bring that to you. It's finally kind of coming out, you know, 4,000 pages and all the little nuggets and earmarks and nonsense and a waste of our money that's in there and a promotion of their voters and a promotion of their causes. It's a shame when you're collecting 100 cents on the dollar on tax and you're spending 95 cents on your own personal pet projects, not things that are great for the United States and all the American people. But we'll get into that. And then, of course, we're going to have a huge, I I keep promising this, but it's going to happen on this show. I mean, about half the show is going to be rat-a-tat-tat. We're going to catch up on a bunch of stuff. Your jaw will drop. Try not to crack it on the table, and your eyes will pop. You know, wear your sunglasses. This stuff is unbelievable. And uh, I'm going to bring you up to speed on some incredible quotes by Joe Biden, who I call President Cadaver, over the last week. (laughs) You know, like in-your-face threats against the American people, the Constitution, the American values. It's just incredible. And the best thing is, on the historical part of this story, my favorite broadcaster in the world, Paul Harvey, right? The rest of the story. That's where I get it. I unabashedly admit I lifted that great phrase from him. Paul Harvey, this is 50, almost 60 years ago in the 1960s. You're going to listen to what he had to say about where America was headed and what we needed to be careful for. I can't think of a better historical story given the rat-a-tat-tat I'm going to be bringing you today and the omnibus bill pork barrel that got passed with $1.7 trillion of our money. I will let Paul speak for himself, and then I will bring you the rest of the story. So without further ado, we have our quote. And you know, I'm going to just lift a quote from Thomas Jefferson that President Cadaver himself has used in the last week in insulting and threatening Americans who don't agree with the woke ideology of the left. Thomas Jefferson, the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time by the blood of tyrants and patriots. You'll see how that ties in. And on our rant story, so the rant story today is I'm actually dictating, broadcasting, recording some of this show right before we go to the Denver Stock Show to sign books, which has been great. Booth 1221, Hall of Education, if you want to come down and visit, that would be terrific. But it has snowed in Denver, about six inches, it's supposed to snow through the day. I don't think there'll be overwhelming crowds running around this Denver Stock Show. But what I'm interested to see is what a mess the roads are. I mean, the roads are a mess in Denver, Colorado, and in any big city, particularly any blue big city, uh, when they're dry. Bumps and holes and potholes and continuous repairs, which seem to be repeated and repeated and repeated, the same repairs. So we shall see what happens with the snowy drive. And I'll fill you in probably at the end of the show on how all that goes. So, without further ado, let's listen to Paul Harvey almost 60 years ago and what he said about America, where it was headed, and what his warnings were.
At Runnymede, the Magna Carta was handed to King John on the end of a sword denying to royalty the right of unlimited taxation. Yet you know it was for us, the American people, to become the first in recorded history ever voluntarily to surrender our rights to private property. Oh, yes, we did. With an innocent-sounding constitutional amendment, the 16th, which says that Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived. And we forgot to put any limit on the extent to which we could tax ourselves. Conceivably, we could be taxed out of all private property. We could be taxed not... 70%, 80%, 90%, but 100%. We could awaken one morning and find that the government owns the farm and the house and the car and has a mortgage on the church, legally. Historically, whenever any nation has taxed its people more than 25% of their national income, initiative was destroyed and that nation was headed for economic eclipse. History says we'll roll forward on momentum for a little while, but we'd better get some more gas in the tank pretty quick. You see, ours is not the first by George good government to arise on the world stage. There have been several. Rome, Spain, and Greece, and China, and each enjoyed about 150 years at its zenith. That's just about our time in the New World. And then each decayed away. Not one of them was ever destroyed by anybody else's marching legions. Each rotted away morally, socially, culturally, economically, simultaneously. You know, one of the most cruel paradoxes of history is this. Because each was a good government, it bore bountiful fruit. When it bore bountiful fruit, the people got fat. And when they got fat, they got lazy. When they got lazy, they began to want to absolve themselves of personal responsibility and turn over to government to do for them things which traditionally they had been doing for themselves. At first, there appears to be nothing wrong asking government to perform some extra service for you, but if you ask government for extra services, government, in order to perform its increasing function, has to get bigger, right? And as government gets bigger, in order to support its increasing size, it has to what? Tax the individual more, so the individual gets littler. And to collect the increased taxes requires more tax collectors, so the government gets bigger. And in order to pay the additional tax collectors, it has to tax the individual more, so the government gets bigger and the individual gets littler. And the government gets bigger and the individual gets littler until the government is all-powerful. The individual is hardly anything at all. The government is all-powerful. The people are cattle. Now, some believe that the need is for a vigorous, strong man to arise on the scene to regulate and regiment the affairs of men. Yet history tells us there have been several such. Once upon a time, there was a nation great and powerful and good. She was suffering from the aftermath of war, from a depression. And then came upon the scene a leader, an idealist, self-confident, intolerant of criticism. Wisely, he limited his early activities to combating the financial depression. Nobody could argue with that. But in a while, he began to regulate business and establish new rules to govern commerce and finance. Some of them in diametrical disagreement with the God-made laws of supply and demand, but anybody who disagreed with those new rules was promptly fired. The national debt mounted alarmingly. Whenever anybody tried to tell him that governments, even as people, can go broke when they spend beyond their incomes, he said they just didn't understand deficit finance. Well, what do you say? Did he build on rock or on sand? I say on sand. I am satisfied with all my heart that if Uncle Sam ever does get whipped, 
here too. It will have been an inside job. It was internal decay, it was not external attack that destroyed the Roman Empire. Starting about 146 B.C., internal conditions in Rome were characterized by a welter of class wars and conflicts, street brawls, corrupt governors, lack of personal integrity and moral responsibility. And Rome passed into what history has recorded as the Dark Ages, lasting a thousand years. Just by turning to the left, the world has gone in circles. Now either we will profit from the errors of their ways, or it follows as the night, the day, our children are going to have to relive the Dark Ages all over again. How come after thousands of years of experiment, our new nation has come so far, so fast? All this in less than 200 years. What is the secret of our success? Well, I think it had to do with a basic American's creed. Perhaps it never passed the pioneer's lips in this form, but if it had, I think he would have said something like this. I believe in my God, in my country, and in myself. I know that sounds like a trite, too simple thing to say, and yet it's a rare man today who will dare to stand up and say, I believe in my God and my country and in myself, and in that order. Well, sir, when that early pioneer turned his eyes toward the West, he didn't demand that somebody else look after him. He didn't demand a free education. He didn't demand a guaranteed rocking chair at eventide. He didn't demand that somebody else take care of him if he got ill or got old. There was an old-fashioned philosophy in those days that a man was supposed to provide for his own and for his own future. He didn't demand a maximum amount of money for a minimum amount of work. Nor did he expect pay for no work at all. Come to think of it, he didn't demand anything. That hard-handed pioneer just looked out there at the rolling plains, stretching away to the tall green mountains, and then lifted his eyes to the blue skies and said, Thank you, God. Now I can take it from here. Well, that spirit isn't dead in our country. It's dormant. It's been discredited in some circles, driven underground, but it isn't dead. It's just that a few seasons ago, politicians baiting their hooks with free barbecue and trading a Ponzi promise for votes began telling us we don't want opportunity anymore, we want security. We don't want opportunity, they said, we want security. They said it so often we came to believe them, we wanted security. And they gave us chains and we were secure. Suddenly with our constitutional guarantees depleted, with our national character eroding away, with our tax laws penalizing those who dare to prosper, with workers concentrating on how little they can get by with instead of how much they can produce, suddenly we looked overhead one day to discover that the first tin moon in space was a Russian accomplishment. That free men dragging their feet had been outdistanced by slave workers dragging their chains. And we were sore afraid. Perhaps this was a disguised blessing too. Maybe a dramatic accomplishment by this Cold War adversary was necessary to get us off our dead centers and back to work again. If we can revive in ourselves, then in our youth, something of that basic American's creed, the horizon has never ever been so limitless. For man stands now on the threshold of his highest adventure of all, his first faltering footsteps into space. Twenty years from today, half of the products you will be using in your everyday living aren't even in the dictionary yet. We've got it made. 
if we just keep on keeping on, we've got it made. And if we don't, we will follow those other great nation states of history into the graveyard of ignominious oblivion. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve. I love Paul Harvey. He just rocks. And how prescient was he almost six decades ago? And it's up to us, folks. And by the way, when I say up to us, we have to elect the right people because the folks that are up there, particularly in the Senate right now, the old crony crew led by Mitch McConnell, they're not working for us. They're working for themselves. Let me tell you about the omnibus bill now that we're starting to get a real feel for what's in that 4,000 over-the-top, unbelievable, anti-American bad economics, ridiculous spending bill. Our money. It's our money. So they increased $800 billion. They approved $800 billion in non-defense spending. That's a $68 billion. That's almost like 9% increase over last year. And obviously, that doesn't help inflation. That's on top of the $3 trillion that the Democrats have spent outside the normal appropriations process, no budget, no nothing, over the last two years. They gave $12.3 billion more to the Internal Revenue Service on top of the nearly $80 billion, you know, the 87,000 agents who need to be ready to use deadly force, provided in the Inflation Reduction Act. A massive increase for EPA enforcement. Oh, what could go wrong? $10.14 billion, which is an increase of $576 million from last year. Radical climate change initiatives. Oh, you'll love this. $2 billion in climate and environmental programs. $3.4 billion for renewable energy programs. You know, they've worked so well in the past. At the same time, they handicapped ICE enforcement of immigration. I mean, we're going to talk about this in Rat-a-tat-tat, too. They actually placed restrictions on Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, from coordinating with state and local law enforcement on illegal immigrants. Unbelievable. And they did not even increase the ICE budget for inflation, which, of course, they caused by all the other bills and this bill. Let me give you some other examples just to kind of, you know, make your day. Billions, $1.9 billion to be exact, to support agencies which help, quote-unquote, manage the high volume of migrants arriving at the southern border, unquote. In other words, to help them relocate, right, to facilitate catch and release. Millions, $575 million of our money, for family planning to the United Nations for family planning. $32.5 million for the United Nations Population Fund, the UNFPA, which, by the way, in the past has supported Chinese population control limits now being reversed by China. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the rat-a-tat-tat. An assault around the back door, since they can't get the law passed and the Supreme Court has ruled, on pro-life policies. $286 million to the Title X program, which, by the way, funds Planned Parenthood. Oh, and remember, Planned Parenthood gives tens of millions of dollars to Democratic candidates. Huh. 
Imagine that. Imagine that circle of corruption. And then how about some reinforcement of Biden's illegal student loan program bogged down in the courts? And basically, uh, hundreds of millions to encourage student loan holders to enroll in cadavers illegal student loan cancellation program. How about $65 million to United Nations again? You know, they're our friends for the Relief and Works Agency. And then don't forget diversity, equity, and inclusion. That agenda, the woke agenda. Tens of millions for DEI initiatives at the Department of State, Health and Human Services, and even the House of Representatives. Here's a couple others for you, you know, because what I've given you is just tip of the iceberg, and what I'm about to give you is just the next little layer under the tip of the iceberg. $1.5 million for a COVID-19 American history project. $3.5 million to fund the Office of Diversity and Inclusion and Inclusion in Congress. And then an earmark for $3.6 million for a project called the Michelle Obama Trail Project. Oh, and then another couple of, you know, million dollars to name federal buildings after Nancy Pelosi. Terrific. And funding for LGBTQ museums in New York and community spaces for, quote, gender expansive, unquote, people in Ohio. Oh, and don't forget the 13% increase to the Office of Personnel because, you know, the government isn't big enough yet, folks. It needs to get bigger, bigger, and bigger. Oh, and a 19.5% increase for White House staffing. I guess because they got to pick up the pieces after cadaver, you know, you need a lot of people to do that. That will give you a rough feel for just how bad this bill is if I I could spend two shows telling you all the provisions, and I still wouldn't hit all the provisions. I'm not sure anybody in Congress or the Senate even knows all the provisions yet. Remember Nancy Pelosi's famous words with Obamacare? Well, you have to pass it to find out what's in it. Well, there you go. And now, how about some rat-a-tat-tat with some items that will tie right into what I just told you about this incredibly lousy, anti-American, anti-American people, and anti-fiscal sanity omnibus budget bill. And by the way, budget is an oxymoron because under Cadaver, there hasn't been a budget, not a single budget for the United States government since Cadaver took office. Terrific. So here we go with rat-a-tat-tat. By the way, folks, I'm just going to briefly touch on one COVID-19, COVID jab-related rat-a-tat-tat, but we have posted a bunch of new COVID-related articles, COVID jab-related articles on the COVID page on the website on the rightsideradio.com. May I suggest you look at these updated studies, all sorts of revelations which have occurred over the last week or two. It's just, well, your eyes will cross. Let me put it that way. First of all, a tricky Tony Fauci. Oh, you know, what a creep. So corrupt. Did you know that $127 million was paid in royalties to the NIH? Oh, yes, and tricky Tony got a nice little chunk of that. Mostly due to COVID-related vaccines. Ah, vaccines. Jabs that we now know are ineffective and not safe. And, of course, it was uncovered long ago that Fauci lied through his teeth about the funding of -of gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. But here's one of the things you didn't know. It's one of the things that Elon Musk released. It'll just boggle your mind. The person who supervised Fauci at the NIH, who was the head of bioethics at the NIH, the person that's supposed to make sure that Fauci behaved ethically is and was his wife. I am not making this up. I wish I was. Her name, by the way, is Christine Grady. Her Wikipedia page states that Grady is, quote, an American nurse and bioethicist who serves as the head of the Department of Bioethics at the National Institute of Health Clinical Center 
unquote. Oh, I don't need to kind of connect these dots for you, do I? And then, of course, we have our General Milley, the head of our Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've brought you my opinion of General Milley and the rest of his Joint Chiefs of Staff fairly often. But now there's some testimony that just got uncovered. General Milley speaking to Congress. And, you know, I'm going to use his words because his words say way more than my description could. So this was his testimony when asked about the riots. You know, which basically tore the country apart, caused billions of damage. I think there was several hundred people that got killed, over a thousand police injured. Quote, the riots over the summer, you know, I could make a case that those riots were riots organic to an aggrieved community that perceived that they had various injustices throughout their life. Oh, well, General Milley, terrific. Do you work for Chi in China or who do you work for? Quote, it was sheer, unmitigated anger that expressed itself in the form of mass violence and rioting. And, okay, I get it. It's illegal. It's wrong. Unquote. Remember that this Joint Chiefs of Staff justified previously the study of white rage, you know, at all the military academic centers in the United States, West Point, Air Force Academy, etc. And let me give you another quote from his testimony. Quote, I don't think the intent of those riots was to overturn the United States government and to destroy the Constitution of the United States of America, unquote. Of course, he is comparing the J6 folks to the rioters in Seattle, Portland, and around the country. So basically, folks, if you, uh, if you supported Trump and you attended the J6 rally, you're bad. You know, you're bad. But the mobs that assaulted police officers burned flags, attacked federal buildings, burned one of them down, sieged federal courthouses like the one in Portland, you know, kind of like Fort Sumter way back when, and were in the streets calling for the destruction of America under the guidance of an organization, Black Lives Matter, which was really trained Marxists. Well, I don't need to point out the appalling, the appalling comparison of this by the head of our military staff. I have some more military stuff for you in the rat-a-tat-tat, too. It'll all make your eyes just bug, except for one, which I think you'll applaud. So over the course of the 2022 fiscal year, the U.S. Border Patrol had over 2.2 million encounters with people illegally crossing the southern border. That's 4 million encounters, folks, since Kamala Harris. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kamala. Kami Harris was assigned the task of addressing the root cause of mass migration in March of 2021. You know, crossing the border between two points of entry is, under the law, a crime that carries with it a penalty of two years of prison time. But... But the backlog in immigration courts has led to like a multi-year wait time during which the asylum seekers who've broken the law are released and allowed to live in the country. By the way, paid for, a little bit more of that coming up in Rat-a-tat-tat, by you and I. They're lodging, they're medical, they're giving birth, oh yeah, absolutely. They're cell phones, which we provide, and they're transportation to wherever the government wants or wherever they wish to go within the United States, including, oh, how nice, plane fare, you know, to, gee, you want to go to San Francisco and participate in the reparations? Oh, yeah, I'll be telling you about that, too. At the end of November 2022, the immigration court backlog was over 2 million cases. 2 million cases. The average person who's waiting for an immigration hearing, they're going to wait 4.3 years. And by the way, this is all intentional right? This is the Cloward and Piven plan. This is how you overwhelm democracies with entitlements and with excess of everything until the system crumbles. This is as intentional as hell. 
Because under the Obama administration, for instance, and remember, this is Obama's third term, it's not Cadaver's first, that dedicated docket saw only 1 in 15 migrants able to file all the necessary paperwork without representation. And only one in seven in the end was approved for asylum. You know, that doesn't work for the Democrats' plan, does it? Well, the way to take care of that, since they can't get the law passed, and they can't get the public, in fact, it's part of the PSYOPs, you know, they don't even tell the public about this information, is to overwhelm the system so that it just folds. Then they don't have to worry about hearings or denials or, you know, prison time or any of those other things. And along those lines, did you know that President Cadaver has new immigration rules out? In fact, Ken Paxton, Attorney General of Texas, is suing a Biden's butt off. The new rule, which was adopted, oh my, before the new Congress took their seats in December 22, quote, prevents consideration of statutorily required factors when determining whether an alien is likely to become a public charge, unquote. In other words, to determine whether or not you and I have to pay for them. So what Biden has done, remember, this is not a law. It's totally illegal, totally unconstitutional, totally in violation of existing federal law. His rule, I quote, prohibits a robust and meaningful investigation into the veracity of this documentation, unquote. This documentation being that these people are either sponsored or they have the financial wherewithal on their own to not be wards of the state. In other words, paid for by you and I. And by the way, the responsibility for this has now been shifted to the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, who runs that? That's right, Mayorkas. Ah, you know, the guy I warned you about like years ago. And here he is lying through his teeth, steady eyes, slight smirk to Congress every time he sits down. And to the American people saying that the border is secure and we're even doing more. And some very, very disturbing information. Excess deaths amongst children, right? This is like died suddenly, kids, 0 to 14 across Europe, following the approval of the COVID vaccine for children aged 12 to 15 in 2021, versus all other years, going from week 22 of 2021 to week 37 of 2022, would you believe a 700% increase? And in the October figures, finally released by the CDC, although buried deep within the bowels of the website, almost a half a million American children and young adults died by October 9th, 2022. That's right. And that half a million number dates from the day that the Food and Drug Administration first granted emergency use authorization for a COVID-19 vaccine. Coincidence? There are no coincidences. Down in Brazil, now the mainstream media is not bringing this at all. It's been bedlam down in Brazil. Kind of like in America, the J6 thing that the Democrats have pounced on and made something out of nothing. In Brazil, it's way more than that. We're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people in the streets and taking over. And when I say taking over, I mean completely occupying government buildings, including the Brazilian Congress. And this is over election fraud. Because what happened in Brazil is pretty much what happened here in 2020. Or what happened here, but in a slightly different context, in Arizona this year. In fact, two weeks ago Monday, there were 1,200, just in one day, 1,200 protesters arrested by police at one of these buildings. But it's almost impossible to remove them because there are so many. I mean, we're not talking about a couple hundred people wandering through the Capitol, you know, looking at the wall paintings. We're talking about people who are angry, armed with clubs, and have taken over entire federal buildings in Brazil. And as part of this, 
In the same game plan as the Marxists in the United States, they are blaming everything on Bolsonaro, right? The outgoing, Trump-supporting, nationalistic president, who happens to be in Florida. You may not know this, but there was an assassination attempt on his life in 2018, and the assassin actually got to him and stabbed him. The, the poor guy has been through a number of operations. He was stabbed in the gut, and he's now in a hospital in the United States. And guess what? All those tolerant and compassionate progressives are saying, I'll give you one, AOC. He should be deported immediately, like from his hospital bed down to the left-wing Brazilian authorities because he, even though he's in the United States, is responsible for this threat to democracy in Brazil. Does this all sound familiar? One thing you can count on the progressives for, they will use the same playbook. If they use a playbook and it works, they're going to use that playbook time and time and time again. Oh, and then, you know, Cadaver and Kami Harris, they're looking out for us, folks. I mean, our interests are foremost in their mind, particularly our ability to travel efficiently and economically from place to place for business or pleasure or family or otherwise. And they just released, oh, about a week ago or so, the first ever blueprint to decarbonize America's transportation sector. Oh, wow, that's just great. I feel so relieved. So the blueprint, quote-unquote, is a, quote-unquote, landmark strategy, unquote, for cutting all the greenhouse gases, all emissions from the transportation sector by 2050. Wow. And, of course, they made it a whole-of-government approach to draw on all the agencies and alphabet soup of various matters, which are now funded in the omnibus bill. I told you about that here earlier in the show. And, by the way, this blueprint was kind of authorized and grew out of Oh, yeah, the Inflation Reduction Act, the last trillion-dollar boondoggle that managed to get through Congress, the Democratic House, but, you know, basically a Republican Senate until we blew that, too. And all these agencies now with this whole-of-government approach, transportation, you know, Pete Buttaboog, Buttaboog, U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Marsha Fudge, the Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, Michael S. Reagan, boy, he's a gem. They've all signed a a memorandum of understanding. This warms my heart to see how they're working in lockstep. They're working as a team to help the American people. Let me give you a quote. Quote, transportation policy is inseparable from housing and energy policy, and transportation accounts for a major share of U.S. greenhouse emissions. So we must work together in an integrated way to confront the climate crisis. Oh, that's Pete Buttigieg. He goes on, you know so that you can feel really warm and fuzzy. Quote, every decision about transportation is also an opportunity to build a cleaner, healthier, more prosperous future. Oh, unquote. I think I'll plan my retirement right now, folks. Oh, and of course, you've heard about the push to make Puerto Rico the 51st state. You know, I mean, that picks up two Democratic senatorial seats and a whole bunch of congressional seats. The, The Democrats are salivating, just like making D.C. a state. But what you didn't know, that will also cost you and I and America Uh, somewhere in the, you know, low trillions of dollars. Because it just so happens that Puerto Rico, rife with corruption, gee, run by Democrats and rife with corruption, who would have thought? There's a financial oversight board that Congress has established to manage Puerto Rico's debt crisis and overall financial crisis. And it seems that they don't want to share any of their information with people who want to see it. In fact, they're claiming that they have immunity from a public records lawsuit. Oh, what could go wrong? You know, states sometimes receive sovereign immunity in certain lawsuits, but Puerto Rico is a territory. Guess what? 
This case was was argued before the Supreme Court about two weeks ago. We'll see how it comes out. Depending upon how it comes out, we might be able to see the depths of financial depravity, you know, kind of like the omnibus bill we were discussing, and the overall waste of money, slush funds, corruptions, kickbacks, paybacks, bribes, you name it, which seems to run in concert with virtually every Democratic administration in a blue state or a particularly blue city. Hmm, must be another coincidence. And in Washington, although you're not hearing about it, the Republicans in the House have approached the Democrats and said, look, let's sit down at the table. Uh, on January 19th, the spending resolutions all expire, and the government could shut down. I've explained to you in previous shows, the government can't default. This is psyops, okay? The government's debt service payments, even at these higher interest rates, are a fraction of its income, and they're paid out monthly. Okay, and they have monthly revenues to support that. When leftists talk about a government shutdown and a default and the faith and credit of the United States, what they're really saying, folks, is they don't get to spend money to buy votes because those functions of the government are shut down. But there's no default on the United States debt. That is a total psyops and a lie. So the Republicans under McCarthy have approached the Democrats and said, look, let's sit down and negotiate some appropriations here, some bills. Let's get the spending under control. And the Democrats, although you would think that that's probably what you ought to do, you know, when you represent the American people in America, in a period of inflation, I might add, in a period of economic instability, in a period of looming crises and the Ukraine mess, but they have flatly refused. They're, they're not going to negotiate the spending, particularly since they got their $1.7 trillion omnibus bill uh, passed by, really, Mitch McConnell. And despite the fact that the national debt, and remember, folks, this is just tip of the iceberg, $31.4 trillion, trillion, folks, divide $31.4 trillion by about 170 million households or 350 million people. You won't like the number. That's what you owe. You understand? This is what you owe. The government doesn't owe it. You are the government. And then Treasury Secretary, oh, she's a peach, you know, a World Economic Forum globalist, Janet Yellen, she sent a letter to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy telling him that the federal government needed the borrowing limit raised. Oh, that's terrific. And Yellen told McCarthy the ceiling is going to be hit on January 19th. And here comes the psyops. Hold on to your hats. The possibility that the U.S. government could default on its debts should be taken very seriously unless more borrowing is allowed by Congress. By the way, the left says, quote, the debt ceiling is not a policy issue, unquote. And the Republicans trying to rein in spending and not raise the debt limit or lower it, that's even better, is, quote, manufacturing a hostage crisis, unquote, and a Republican extortion scheme, unquote etc., etc., etc. You know, we're all domestic terrorist folks. And in election fraud news, number one, good news, the appeals court down there in Arizona has granted an expedited hearing. They've accepted the case. They've scheduled an expedited hearing for the Kerry Lake election fraud lawsuit. That's really a good thing. And there is a guy by the name of Ryan Heath, an attorney, and he just filed a lawsuit with the Arizona Supreme Court. And it's against the judge who threw out Kerry Lake's lawsuit. His argument is that the Superior Court judge, Peter Thompson, set the bar 
illegally too high when the judge insisted that Lake and her team had to prove that the election, they proved that there was election misconduct. This judge went one step further and said, I'm going to throw this case out because you can't prove that the election misconduct was intentional and was intended to affect the outcome of the election. This is despite the fact, by the way, that in that trial, they got, Kerry Lake's team got election director Scott Jarrett to admit that the machines that went haywire were reprogrammed basically from a 20-inch paper printer to a 19-inch paper printer, and that caused 50% of the tabulators to go down. And by the way, that reprogramming was all done the morning before the polls opened on election day. And by the way, 84% of the reprogramming were in precincts that were heavily Republican. Additionally, they proved that 300,000 votes, this is a huge total, I mean, it's 15% of the total vote in Arizona or Maricopa County, had no chain of custody as required under Arizona law. That the precincts didn't count the votes, so, you know, we've talked about this before, folks, you got to know how many voters there were to know how many votes there were so the Democrats can't manufacture ballots, which is, of course, why they don't count the votes at the precincts, and that is contrary to law. And that the ballots were sent to a third-party vendor to count against Arizona law. And that vendor, by the way, as a sidelight, makes generous political donations to the Democratic Party. What could go wrong here? In any event, it's going to be really interesting to see how all these lawsuits play out there in Arizona. And then, of course, we have the curious case of the Biden classified documents. And so the left, now that they're caught with their pants down, I mean, after the huge uproar over Trump and the staged FBI raid, etc., to have their guy caught actually with classified documents in his garage next to his Corvette and in a whole bunch of other places. They say that Trump's deal was worse than Biden's. So now it's not that Biden didn't do it. It's just that Trump's was worse, except, folks, they forget, and it's part of the psyops, that Trump was the president of the United States He can declassify anything the courts have ruled with just a thought. Biden, when he took these documents and put them in his garage and his closet and wherever else, when he took these documents, he was the vice president of the United States, and he doesn't have the power to declassify anything. Not to mention, he does have his son Hunter in bed with the Red Chinese. And some of the documents that have been discovered, oh, this is great. And by the way, Hunter had keys to both the house and to the garage. There was one document about Ukraine. If China had been provided that document, not if, probably when, that document by Hunter, baby, they could pass that information to Russia. The files on Iran, which are in this classified document, should we say discovery, that could be passed on to Iran by China because China and Iran are now allies. And I'd go on and on, but you get the picture. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And the way it's playing out, Biden's kind of getting thrown under the bus. And it leads me to believe that the Democratic Party is searching for a way to dump cadaver. We shall see. By the way, speaking of cadaver, he loves to insult and threaten more than half of the U.S. population from time to time. Often, actually. But he was talking about how AR-15 rifles wouldn't, this is just in the last week, it's about the fourth time he's done it. They wouldn't help Americans in any armed conflict with the federal government. You think the feds are a little paranoid about the people getting pissed off here? Quote, I love my right-wing friends who talk about, and do you remember my quote that I gave you at the beginning of the show? Who talk about, quote, the tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots, unquote. And then he goes on to say, quote, if you need to worry about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need AR-15s, unquote. By the way, as a little historical aside for you, That Tree of Liberty quote 
which was actually the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants, was written by Jefferson in a 1787 letter to William Stephen Smith, who was the son-in-law of John Adams, just to put it in historical context. By the way, in the same breath, about a day later, talking to another group, or trying to talk to them, mumbling, Biden said because the Republicans want to negotiate on the debt ceiling, and because Republicans are upset that the omnibus bill passed, you know, wasting $1.7 trillion of our money, and fueling inflation, etc., that Republicans are, quote, fiscally demented, unquote. And then last but not least, you will love this, folks. You talk about fiscal dementia, which is about right for uh, Biden. But you talk about being fiscally demented. So there is now, and it could pass, a, a resolution and ordinance in San Francisco, California. Remember, I told you five years ago about reparations. Everybody laughed at me. And now here you go. I told you about it over the last two weeks. What's going on? I've tied it into you with the conversion of the U.S. dollar to digital currency and how they can manipulate that to create that redistribution of wealth in really whatever form they want to do. But remember, California was a free state. It was not a slave state. So they really never had chattel slavery, okay? But San Francisco formed a committee, and so did California, by the way. I brought you the story on California, $223,000 for the 2.5 million black folks who live in California, which equals a sum greater than the California annual budget. But the Reparations Committee in San Francisco, okay, they have figured in their ultimate wisdom that uh, San Francisco, the city, has long treated black people unfairly and over-policed them for decades. And now those terrible wrongs need to be fully repaid by other taxpayers. Oh, gee, do you see where all this kind of ties in? Therefore, everybody, everybody should get a flat fee, I'm not making this up now, of $5 million to pay for the evil that was done by somebody's ancestors, supposedly to somebody else's ancestors. Five million bucks per person, folks. Now, because they're so fiscally responsible and people who wouldn't like that idea are fiscally demented, it doesn't get paid in one lump sum. It gets paid $97,000 a year for 250 years to every person and or family descendant of that person. Okay, cool. By the way, as a little bonus, all the debts of that person and their descendants get forgiven. You know, progressives are never good at connecting A to B and thinking about unintended consequences. You know, like, hmm, if I was a mortgage lender and a black family came to me and they wanted to buy a house to get a mortgage, with this kind of legislation pending, would I give them a mortgage if I thought that it was going to be forgiven? That I was going to be out the money after I lent it to them? Probably not. Think about that. And look, we are out of time. And I still didn't cover all the rat-tat-tat. We'll have another big one next week, along with a, a bunch of other stuff to cover with you. But I think you've heard enough in today's show and all the previous shows to know that when you look in the mirror and you talk to your family, you need to repeat often, clearly, and with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Thanks for listening and keep the wind at your back. We'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.